You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and we talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Tomorrow's the big day. The one-year Vox and Hops anniversary party is happening at Turbo House on St. Denis Street in Montreal. It's going to be the Vox and Hops alumni. It's going to be you, Vox and Hops heads. It's going to be Lord Worm, the original Cryptopsy singer, and myself, all gathering together to celebrate the fact that the Vox and Hops podcast is turning one year old. For the event, there will be the very first live Vox and Hops interview with none other than Dan, Lord Worm Greening, the original singer of Cryptopsy. He is one of the original people that I wanted to interview when I started this podcast. I have so many questions, so many myths that I would like to touch on to see uh, how much of it is fact, how much of it is fiction. I am super excited to sit down with Dan and pick his brain for a little bit. I have also just received the very first Vox and Hops branded glassware. It is a beautiful nine ounce craft beer tasting glass, the exact style of glass that I like to use when I'm at home because I like to share my craft beers with the people in my lives and uh, taste a bunch of beers. Uh, and it's the best way to do it is with a tasting glass. And on this tasting glass, I got the classic black Vox and Hops logo designed by Andrew Tremblay. Super happy to be holding these in my hand finally. And I'm sure that you've seen the pictures uh, on all of the socials that I've been posting throughout the past week. Also throughout the night, we will be drinking the Highway to Hops, the very first collaborative New England IPA that I helped brew alongside the great people of Microbrasserie Le Fermenteur from L'Assomption Québec. It is a hoppy New England IPA. So excited to taste it. You can get your tickets in the description of this podcast. I've posted the link for the tickets. Don't miss out on this event. If you can come, if you can come up to Montreal, if you can be there, Come out and party. Come out and have a good time. Come out and celebrate the fact that Vox and Hops has turned one year old. It's going to be such a great night. I'm so excited. I can't wait to celebrate with all of you. Today on the podcast, I'm with Simon McKay, the drummer of The Agonist. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 81. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I'm with Simon McKay from The Agonist, and we are in Montreal, and I'm super stoked to be with you. It's finally your turn. I've been uh, planning to interview you for a very long time, and uh, I'm just glad that it worked out today. So we're in Montreal. You're about to play your hometown CD launch for Orphans, your brand new CD, which just came out. That's right. Let's talk about that. How do you feel about all of this? I feel ecstatic about the whole thing it's 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 really been um it's been a long time i felt this energized about an album not to take anything away from the last releases but i really feel like i really feel like something's happening here and it's really exciting let's give everyone a rundown uh who is simon mckay for the people that don't know you what do you do give me your story well i'm the drummer for the agonist i join in um I want to say 2006, and I was in another band at that time called uh, Endost, and we were, um, you know, doing like DIY tours across Canada and the States, and um, so I actually got a bit of touring experience in before joining the band, and then uh, got the opportunity to join the Agonist, and basically I just crammed all the songs at that time. I didn't, we didn't even have a jam room, we were right back from tour, uh, Endost was, so I just crammed all the songs from the first Agonist album, just listening to it constantly, and just showed up for a jam one day and boom and 
then that the rest was history. Was it a moment of like I'm going to do both bands, and then one of them just and us just sort of petered away, or you felt that you had to make a, a, a clean cut to join the end? Uh, no, the I really felt like I had to definitely. Unf- I, it was it was probably you know at that time definitely one of the hardest decisions I've made in my life because you know when you tour with with people you develop this brotherhood and all that and um, they're great guys and uh, I'm still friends with them t- today all of them um, which I'm thankful for it, it was really I knew that you know the agonist was going to go somewhere at the at the time so I, I really felt in my heart and soul because you know music is what I live for that I it's I just had to, to do it and I had to do it 100% so I did it <laughs> <laughs> what is um would be the soundtrack to your youth, your growing up, what music was playing in your house. Okay, so <laughs> the music playing in my house, I mean, my mom loved a lot of Latin music. Oh, cool. So salsa, cubano, stuff like that. Um, she was actually obsessed with like nothing but salsa and Latin music. So I feel that it actually had, you know, sort of an impact on, on my drumming um, a little bit in the sense that sometimes I search for those, you know, those claves and the rhythms. But myself, I mean, I grew up on, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess you could say I'm a 90s kid. So for me, it was really the first bands that made me want to, you know, that made me love heavy music was probably Manson, Korn. Um, you know, then I discovered Slipknot. Uh, then I discovered Cannibal Corn. Corpse, uh, and the rest is fucking history. <laughs> <laughs> well, why the drums? I know you play guitar as well. So what came first, guitar or drums? So I'm actually originally a guitar player. Um, when I was uh, around 12 years old, you know, my my dad would my dad took me to to a couple shows when I was younger. Um, you know, like even before 12 years old and. Oddly enough, one of those shows that really I remember to this day was Lorena McKennett, a folk singer, and he took me to see Lorena McKennett at Place des Arts here in Montreal. And I a was beautiful, on the edge beautiful of, venue. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, so he noticed that. So he suggested that I take guitar lessons, as he figured the kid likes music. So I took guitar lessons. Yeah, I like guitar uh, a lot, and uh, I, you know, I played guitar. I was basically only a guitar player, and then around sixteen, I just kind of. I was jamming with this other uh, gentleman in his in his basement, and um, I used to just hop on his drum set, and you know I kind of just fired off like a couple of just you know stupid beats, or whatever. And he's like, "Hey, how, how how do you do that? You can play okay." I'm like, oh, I, "I guess I can play." But you'd never done that before. No, no. So then I kind of just kept on sort of pursuing that, and I actually ended up going to a place called Solo Drum here in Montreal, and I rented a single drum room, and that's how I spent like my allowance money, just go screaming at the walls and banging on drums, and <laughs> that's kind of where I cut my teeth actually. That's and insane. Then, and now, and then uh, all of a sudden, I'm a drummer. <laughs> but was it a point like back when you used to listen to music, you could just break down the drum beats in your mind and cut it out to, oh, that's the kick, that's the foot? I definitely remember a time when I could not do that. And I, when we were writing music as a band, I actually strive to get into that mindset where I can't break it it, it, it down because I do want to appeal to like that sort of listener too. But um, yeah, I don't know. I f- it's going to sound cheesy, but when I learned st- to play Stairway to Heaven on guitar, which was the first song that my guitar teacher learned how to play, everything kind of fell into place um, in terms of like knowing what's going on. And uh, I guess, you know, when I picked up drums, I was able to you know separate it better, too, for sure. Do you feel more akin to the drums now? Is the drums your primary instrument? Do you- I know you still play guitar at home. You still write some of the songs for The Agonist. I do. Yeah, I do write about one song per album for The Agonist, sometimes two. Um, and I mean, yeah, drums 
is the instrument that I can I can go crazy on. You know, I I, I I'm I still like I play guitar, but I don't really play it all the time. It's more of a, a tool that I use to write now, and it's as a result of me not practicing guitar. The songs that I end up write, writing uh, are more they end up sounding more I guess atmospheric, which is what I would I would go for anyways if I was writing my own music. So it's from, from your black metal appreciation. Yeah, sure. I love Emperor, man, you know? <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> That's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, they, they, they end up sounding different. I'm very grateful that the band allows me to write a song, you know, per album, let's say. It is very cool. It's sort of freeing, almost. It allows you to have that extra output from yourself creatively yeah. and input onto the, the catalog of the band. I mean, it really helps knowing how to play guitar as a drummer because you know exactly what you want to hear. And I find you, you know, there's less, less questioning and it's more like you can hear it all in in your head and that's what you want to go for and that's what you try to do is it harder or easier to write drums to your songs versus another member of the band's songs oh is it harder to write drums to my own song that i would write i wouldn't say it's harder at all actually it's kind of funny because when i write my own song i don't really picture the drums very often really that's funny okay i I was expecting the opposite that like when you're writing you already have a drum beat in your mind i know it's weird no i really i really have like the melody in my like the melodies is what i hear first you know and then i try to put that extrapolate that to guitar and then the drums could be a variety of things after that but when it comes to the rest of the music for the agonist i know right away exactly what you know what beat i'm going to want on on that particular riff, let's say. Maybe it's because you're more focused because you're not paying attention to your guitar parts. I guess. And like analyzing the guitar parts and how you could change them versus this is Danny, this is Paco's guitar part. That's the guitar part. I guess, yeah. It it just, I really feel that it helps, you know, even for a guitar player to know a bit of drums. You know, even Danny knows how to play a bit of drums and it just helps you feel that pocket and that rhythm, you know? Fox and Hops is all about craft beer and hanging out with fellow metal musicians. Today... We are drinking once again on the podcast. I apologize for everyone that uh, this is getting a bit repetitive, but it's a delicious <laughs> beer, and it's the third time I've had it on the podcast. This is Boreal Zanagest's IPA. We're across the street from the Fairmount Theater, and uh, I wanted to bring you to Dude's Ciel, but it was so packed, and it would have been so loud, and the quality would have sucked for all of you at home. So I found a delicious beer across the street at Fritalao, Boreal Zanagest. Cheers. Cheers, man. It's it's creamy, it's dank. It's actually perfect for a day like today. It's a beautiful day. Um, the sun's shining. I would say this is actually this kind of beer is one of my favorite beers lately. Like the sort of orange juicy. Exactly. IPA, for everyone that doesn't know, it's a nice hazy New England IPA. Yeah. It's uh, deliciously dank, creamy, not too bitter, not too uh, piney, but not overly tropical. It's it's just really nice and balanced and extremely drinkable. Are you a craft beer enthusiast? Well, recently, yes, I am. And it's really mainly due to guys like you and Danny <laughs> that, that I hang around. I mean, look. To be honest with you, I was um, not really much of a drinker. It's more in in, re- in the past five years I've, I've turned into more, you know, appreciating beer. And uh, at this point, at this point, I can say that I appreciate craft beer entirely. I mean, I know what I like. I know what to look for when I go into my my local store. Um, and I would say that I, this kind of style of beer right here is what I would gravitate towards if I don't know what to get, if I don't know if it's good or not. Well, what's your go-to? If you're going to, what is your favorite brewery, your favorite style? You said the New England is your thing right now. Lately, I really like Mico Brasserie La Souche. Yeah? I really like La Souche. And um, I also 
really like I also really like Tikaribu. Uh, um, but I'm really hooked on Les Fish lately. I like their sours. That's um, cool. I don't know them. I'll have to check it out. I'll have to come to your house and you'll show me out. Where do you buy yeah. beer? What is your store? I go to uh, Experience de Bière on Amherst, which is now known as Atatican Street, or however you pronounce it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Experience de Bière. Yeah, they're really, they're really great guys there, actually. Awesome. Shout out to those boys. Then. Yes, sir. Those peeps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you remember your first experience with beer? Um, I remember my first experience with alcohol. Actually, no. I remember my first experience with beer. Um, I was a little kid, and I thought my dad had a big old refreshing, refreshing glass of apple juice in the, <laughs> on the table, and I chucked it down. But uh, How old were you at that point? I don't know, like fucking four. <laughs> <laughs> How did that end? <laughs> I can't recall, dude. <laughs> but uh, no, I really, I really do enjoy my beer. I mean, I drink almost every day, actually, uh, you know, at this point. I mean, whether it's one beer or, you know, I like to wind down after a day with a beer. Um, There's yeah. something cathartic about finishing your day's work, cracking a cold one. Something Absolutely. that's been happening, you know, since beers have existed. I don't know what's so th- therapeutic about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm more of a I've always been like more of a cannabis guy um, from a very young age, but I feel that lately beer is affecting me in the way that I I want to. When I was a bit younger, it just used to make me sleepy, and mm-hmm. uh, and then something happened. I guess biologically, chemically, I'm not sure what, where I could just handle it a lot better in recent years, and it, it just uh, it it actually you know activates my my social skills and like like most people. I used to hear people say, ah, "Go out drink," and I didn't get it. Uh, for me, I would just I would just get hungover immediately. But I don't know, man. Something happened. I guess just years of being on the road or whatever. You know. Yeah, you're drinking boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about being on the road. If you could travel back in time and relive any tour that you have lived in the past, and like step into a time machine and do that tour again, your favorite tour. What tour would that be? Hmm. That's a really good question because, to be honest with you, we've had a lot of rough tours. <laughs> I mean, those are mainly the ones I recall. Let's go through those first. What is the worst oh, man. experience on the road that has ever happened to you? Uh, you know, it's always like being put on the spot when someone asks you that. I would have to... I can think of one that comes to mind. Um, we showed up at a venue. Um, I'm probably wrong. I believe it was in Kentucky. But uh, we showed up at a venue with our, our camper and we showed up late and we decided, okay, let's um, let's load into the venue really fast. So we get out of the, of the camper and there's no trailer on the back of our camper it just fell off it just fell off (laughs) (laughs) so we end up backtracking down the road down to like the intersection of the highway and we find like a bunch of cop cars just sitting around it wondering is this thing a fucking bomb in the in the states of course yes (laughs) Yes, in the states and uh yeah we grabbed it um they didn't give you a ticket nothing uh no they let us go they must have just thought we were some dumb kids playing down the road, which we Canadians. were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Canadians. <laughs> Canadian charm. Wow, that's crazy. So a great tour, a positive tour. Um, okay, well, honestly, I mean, the Danzig tour comes to mind. Uh, it was a pretty short tour. Um, Those are big rooms, I remember. Yeah, that's kind of the reason why I'm saying that, because it was uh, usually when we play the States, we're used to playing more conservative uh, venues, you know, smaller uh, or mid-sized, let's say. So, I mean, on the Danzig tour, it was like, you know, 3,000 people every night. So that was that was that was really, really cool. Um, That was with our our old singer. Um, I just feel like I feel like we're about to do. I feel like the ginger tour that we're about to do. I feel like that's going to be one of the best tours ever. Um, and that's for many reasons, but mainly due to the fact that 
Um, the shows are mainly almost sold out on the entire tour. And touring Europe is just so much more of, of a delight than uh, North America. You know, you're in a tour bus. Um, you have a bunk. You have awesome catering. It's just a different mentality. I can ask this question. I know my answer. Do you feel there's a difference crowd-wise between European crowds and American crowds? Yeah, I absolutely feel that there's a difference uh, between the two. I feel that in general, um, I feel that Europeans are more used to music and the arts, let's say, and it's just more ingrained in them. So they're just, I feel like they're probably more willing to go out to uh, a show as an event. Whereas, um, you know, and you get that here in Montreal too, in Quebec, we're, we're so lucky. We're so lucky with the fact that we have, um, we have exposure to arts and culture. And it's just, if you just go to over to Ontario, it's completely different. So uh, I'd say that I'd say that the European crowds are, are better. Yeah, f- and I'd say they appreciate our music more, too, as well. Let's talk about the new album, Orphans. I know that you were in a point where you were dark for a moment, waiting, because the album's been finished for over a year now. Let's talk about that year and how it felt. Okay. Um, honestly, this is going to vary from member to member. I, I feel like I'm pretty optimistic. In the sense that I, I always feel like, listen, if I'm happy, if I'm still, you know, I'm doing music, I'm doing what I want to do, um, then I'm relatively happy. But we went through a period where the band slowed down. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you can't go full force all the time anyhow, right? You have to learn how to appreciate being at home sometimes, too. Problem is, we're sitting on this awesome album, which, you know, by now people can hear everyone... I mean, we're getting great reviews. I we literally have not got one bad review so far. Everyone like loves the thing, so it was really difficult in the sense that we really wanted people to hear it, and we we wanted people to know that we were working, that we weren't just taking it easy. You're uh, not on a hiatus. No, not 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 at all. Actually, it, in fact, quite the opposite. The amount of work we put into Orphans, the amount of pre-production was insane. You finished it over a year ago. But that means that you wrote it even longer ago. That's right. Are yeah. you guys almost bored of it? Um, I'm not. I st- like. I still listen. I'm the kind of guy that I listen to my own music. I, I don't know. Call me crazy, but I, I I listen to Orphans almost every single day. I just it's like my world right now. I just I want to immerse myself in it. So that's how I am. Not everyone's the same. Most of the people in the band probably think I'm crazy for doing that. They're like, "Why are you killing the album? Stop destroying it! You're, you're gonna want to appreciate it in like a year from now." And I'm like, "No, fuck that, man! Let's 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 turn it up to ten every day." And I'm not sick of it at all. I think it's a great album. What is a band that you think is uh, criminally underrated that you think that more people should be listening to? That's a really tough question. I'd have to think about that. Okay. No one comes to mind right away. Besides us, maybe. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. (laughs) I mean, look, no, I I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that. It's we're getting a lot of, you know, great attention right now as it is. So what would be um, you've been drumming since you're 16 years old, half your life now about. Yeah. What would be some of the things that each night you step up to the kit, you go, oh boy, I hope it works tonight. Actually, lately, in general, I just hope that everything that's not drum related works. Electronics. Got it. Yeah. yeah I never yeah. thought I'd have yeah. so many fucking wires to pack being a drummer. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's figured, the point why that's why you became a drummer. Yeah. Right. It's like, no, I just want to hit stuff, man. <laughs> no, now I got like in ears and a mixer and a sampler and this and that. And, but hey, man, it's all part of the show. And, um, 
Um, I just, yeah, I, I generally worry for more like electronic stuff and not really myself. I, I know that, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about, about really playing the show. I know it's usually going to be solid. I don't, I don't typically have issues. I mean, I, I do hope I don't drop a stick, let's say, you know, um, I hope everything just gear wise works really. Who is the extreme drummer of this modern age that is the most talented, do you think? I would say the first person that comes to mind is Mari Duplantier from Gojira. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, reason why. A good hard hitting drummer, man. He's got everything, man. He's got groove, he's got speed. He hits like a beast. The songs are great. The songs have to be good, too. You can be an awesome drummer in a band with shit songs, and you're not a good drummer because you don't stand out, because the songs need to back you up as a drummer, too. It's not just about what you're playing. I mean, then again, there's tons of, tons of you know, grind bands and death metal bands where it's like people just listen to the drummers, sure. But in- I think drummers just listen to the drummers. <laughs> to be on, really honest there well you're probably right yeah but I, I think Mario Duplantis he's, he's got it all he's got you know um, like I said he's got power speed but he's got groove too he can sound like Bonham he, he can also sound like George Collius mm. so what would be um, your early influencers people that you watch play drums and you're like oh I wish I could do that some days that you can now do now but back in the day was a big mountain Okay, so um, the first extreme drummers, uh, honestly, Nick, Nicholas Barker from Dima Borgir, um, Gene Hoagland, uh, Richard Christie because of Sound of Perseverance, uh, I, that album I was crazy about. Oh, the old drummer of, uh, of Opeth, Alex Lopez, uh, in the sense, that I, I love drummers that can groove but also have death metal chops. That's that's what I aspire to be as, as a drummer. That's basically, that's all it is. You just best of both worlds. Um, so, you know, George, George Collius, Derek Roddy, mm-hmm. uh, Hate Eternal. Um, geez, we're going back now, man. Yeah. I'm sure I'm forgetting a whole bunch. Hellhammer, um, Trim from Emperor. Uh, I, honestly, uh, Adrian Erlinson was a huge influence on me as a, as a kid. Really? Yes. Yes, he was. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, just extreme drummers that had groove chops. I think it's so important, you know, bands are so technical these days, and um, I, uh, maybe it's just, I feel like I'm getting old by saying this, but I, I don't pay attention to that many new drummers. It's mainly due to the music. I guess I'm stuck on what I like a little bit. I guess we all are to a certain extent, right? We sort of have to. I love going back and re-listening to old music that I used to listen to. Yeah. Something comfortable to it. I'm always, mostly always disappointed when I listen to new CDs that I've been expecting to enjoy. Right. You know, something that I'm hyped up to listen to, I always end up being disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, look, we're musicians. Um, we're music lovers. I think we're allowed to be picky. We know what we like. We probably have a strong sense of what's quote-unquote good. Um, so why not? <laughs> you know, someone's got to be an elitist around here. Uh, most drummers tend to be in multiple projects. Yes. When are you starting a new project? That's a good question. Right now, the only project I'm doing is uh, I'm in a Pantera cover band. Yes, you are. Yeah, which is actually actually awesome. I actually love doing that. I love playing Vinnie Paul stuff. Uh, and that's it for right now. 
I came and did a song with you guys, Slaughtered. You sure did. It was awesome. It was fucking You had brutal. told me that like when you were rehearsing this stuff, you're like, oh, I gave you the set list, and you're like, oh, I don't really know all these songs, but then you sat down behind the kit and started playing them, you're like, I know all these songs. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. When I took that gig, right, it was like, oh, shit, okay, I have to learn 16 songs, but then you start playing them. Hold on a minute. This is Pantera. This is like I'm learning how to eat bread. <laughs> it's just so basic. It's, it's so integral that it's just it was already in me <laughs> when you go on tour what is the craziest thing you've ever eaten um i ate like bull testicles in peru oh uh he didn't tell me what they were though so, until afterwards yeah and i liked it <laughs> until he told me what they were and then did you finish the plate or was it after it was like a little appetizer thing okay like okay. try this just, yeah. just just go hurry the promoter hooked you up with this or uh, you went to yeah, a local you could say restaurant that. Okay. No, yeah, we went to a local restaurant together. Got it, yeah, got it, yeah. yeah, in Lima, yeah. Um, I, I, I try not to get... That's more of Danny's forte, trying crazy uh, eccentric foods. You know, fucking swordfish or whatever. I just I just want something really, really simple and, and light, not get too bogged down before the, the set. Absolutely, absolutely. Have you ever had a set that you played that you were sick and that you wanted to die? Absolutely. Let's talk about that. What's that story? Okay, I've had many of those. Many, many, many of those. Um, I don't. I just. I get so hot, man. I get so overheated. You are known for being. Per, you, you perspire quite a bit. I. I sweat like crazy, man. Uh, I mean, when I'm done a set, I'm literally. I'm literally. It's. It's like I went fucking scuba diving. What do you do with your stage clothes? How do you take care of that? Um, I bring a lot of shirts, man. I also have really good shorts that I can just kind of wash and they get dry right away, you know. Um, so I don't have to worry about bringing multiple shorts and stuff. <laughs> um, uh, one time, there was a time in Nashville, Tennessee, where uh, many years ago, where I actually passed out during a set. Holy for, fuck, no way. Yeah, but it, it was like a good five, six seconds. I'm not sure how long. The thing is, is that I came to and I just kind of realized I'd skipped a section of the song. But no one was like looking at me like, hey, what the hell's going on? Because you guys are pro. No, because I actually kept on playing. No way. It was just pure... Well, look, man. We finished the song, and it was in time, and nothing was... So I think I blacked out, but like I guess my arms were moving, or maybe they just... You were just convulsing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a blast beat, and you're convulsing. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I don't know. It's just... Yeah. It, I I often feel like... Uh, I mean, it's, it's one of my, my biggest problems problems is actually turning back dialing back the energy i have so much energy to give on stage but i'm back there playing the, the drums i really have to focus the energy on on my wrists and my and my feet and you know it's like I, i'm just i'm i'm so hyped to play music that i i just get this adrenaline and that's ultimately can can mess you up because you go a bit too hard so you go a bit too hard and then you have no more steam left for other songs so it's all about balancing it's like a balancing act um, especially the set we're doing right now is very difficult with these new songs mm -hmm. uh, for everyone, for me, myself, for it's Vicky hard. It's as very, well. very hard to. It's hard to go from like just from the studio to the jam room, and then it's even harder to go from the jam room to the stage. Yeah, like we jam like excessively for these shows, and you can headbang a jam all you want, but there's just something different when you hit the stage, and when people are, are watching you, and you get that extra bit of adrenaline. Um, it's like a whole nother thing. We, sh we should almost have rehearsal shows where people are watching us. 
Um, I'll come drink beer and watch the Agonist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever wanted to make like a collaborative brew with a brewery, like an Agonist beer? Um, I have actually thought about that. Yeah, for sure. It's just that um, we just don't have a lot of money to throw around, you know? Yeah, yeah, but let's play, let's play Wonderland. What style beer and what would be the name? Man, I had a really good one the other week. I was, I'm, I'm trying to think about it. The high PA of Providence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's gonna come to me. It's gonna come to me after we do this damn interview, which sucks. I would say. I mean, if if it was up to me, um, if it was up to me, I would do something very drinkable because I would want it to sell. <laughs> sell it and pound it yourself. Yeah. yeah, you know. But I mean, it probably would be an IPA. Um, I feel like it would, it would be an IPA. It would be something with bite. Probably something similar to this. Maybe like a uh, a tropical, but not too tropical, orange juicy kind of an IPA. As it's something that we can all kind of you know jive on. Um, we just went to a brewery actually recently, a, a new one um, called a uh, Masorum Bactorium. Uh, Sorry, Masorum. Yes, Masorum Tassatorium. I, I really don't know how to pronounce the ending, but it's our boys uh, Vince, who used to play drums for the Last Felony. Yeah, and there is also Chapu, who is an Ion Dissonance. Yeah. So a huge shout out. There's a huge, huge, huge hype on Masorum right now up here in Montreal and all you people should come up and believe the hype because uh, they're going to take over the world. Well, the hype is real, man. We went there and uh, there was the number one on the menu was this sort of like I'm describing now, an orange juicy IPA and it was it was way better than this this Nordest Boreal right here. Um, and then we had, not, I mean, they were all really, really good and it was a beautiful little place too. So, um, yeah. yeah I'm, huge I'm, shout out to those boys for setting up, taking the chance and, and putting their hearts and their wallets into something and creating something amazing. That's it, man. You got to take a leap in life, man. You got to you got to do it because one day, you know, you're you're going to be looking at your deathbed, you know. So you don't want to look back on with regrets, you know. With, yeah, with absolutely, what absolutely. Most musicians, luckily, don't have that feeling because we tend to just act with our heart. I feel that's a. Re- I, I think that's a really good, good, good point. I mean, if I were to get hit by a semi truck, you know, God forbid, tomorrow, I'd feel pretty good about my life. I think, man. Speaking you know, about a horrible thing we don't want to happen. Sure. Your trailer's on fire. Yeah. What's the one piece of gear you grab? They're good. Cars. <laughs> For some reason, really? that's what yeah. came. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's Not just, one of your pieces. I, I guess I'm just a guitar player at at heart. I still think like grab the guitars. Like fuck the drums. They're, they're too fucking big and clunky. <laughs> grab the guitar cases. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to shout out? Something you want to finish this up on? I would like to give a little shout out to Carcaos right now for. Um, acquiring Morgan Lander as a singer from Kitty. I think that's really cool. We played with them last night, and uh, it was a great show. I really I really enjoyed it, so I'm anxious to see them again tonight. Um, good for those guys. I'm stoked. I'm the type of person. I don't listen to singles. I don't listen to che- trailers for movies. I don't believe in any of that shit, so I honestly have seen nothing, and I'm stoked to watch Morgan with uh, Carcaeus tonight because I, I haven't seen anything. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cheers. Simon, thank you so much. Fox and Hops. Cheers, man. Cheers, brother. Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. That right there is four out of five members of The Agonist on Vox and Hops. I've been thinking, what what am I going to do when I get all five members of a band or like a complete lineup of a band? What award am I going to give them? 
what what can I present them with? I present all of my alumni with the Vox and Hops alumni shirt. I'm still pondering of what can I reward an entire group of musicians who have taken the time and have put in their faith into sitting down and sharing a beer with me. I'll keep you guys posted. I'm thinking about this. Um, if you guys have any ideas, shoot it at me on the socials or hit me up at matt at voxandhops.com. That's M-A-T-T at V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. If you have any ideas what I should award an entire band once they're, they become alumni. I just released the very first long-sleeve Vox and Hops shirt after the great success of the Enjoy Life Metal and Craft Beer shirt that I released, which sold out in under a week. I decided to up the ante and challenge my artist, Andrew Trombley, to make a ridiculously beautiful shirt, which he accepted, and he totally did. The water makes you rust when you're made of metal. Long-sleeve shirt is uh, one of the most beautiful, uh, intricate and uh, well-designed long sleeves that I've ever seen. I'm so proud to be selling this. This is a premium product. It is going to be limited. It's going to be up for pre-order for another few weeks, and then it's going to be gone. Don't miss your chance. The link is available in the description of this podcast. You don't want to miss out. It is a -a one-of-a-kind, amazing product. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you have a great week. And remember, come out tomorrow, Turbo House, the Vox and Hops one-year anniversary party. If you can be there, be there. If you can't, think about us. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts? Thank you. <laughs>